0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production.
1: Chris, Mm -hmm. have you been dating? Have I what? Have you been dating? Uh, No. Well, oh,
2: wait. What? (laughs) It's it's a yes or no no, answer. (laughs) uh, No, it's an in-between answer because I am open to dating now. I think I was very closed off for a while because, I mean, look, I was just in the thick of my heartbreak and just going through kind of my healing process. And I really wanted to make sure that I was healed before I started dating. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I'm in that place now. I feel like <laughs> I'm ready. My mindset's there. And so I am open and that's why I'm giggling because <laughs> I haven't been open until okay. recently. So excited for And you. I'm really, really excited. But I have to tell you about a new app that I actually just discovered, which I actually found surprising because there's really no app out there like this it's literally a place for single parents that are open to dating it's a dating app for single parents (laughs) as i mentioned i am becoming open baby steps baby steps it's called stir s-t-i-r and it's a place where single parents can just be single and Stir is where so and Stir is where you're excited to share on your first date that you have a three-year-old and a seven-year-old daughter <laughs> and not be ashamed of it because you know that you won't be judged by the person because they probably have their own kids as well. Yeah, And it's also a place where you don't have to apologize for having a crazy schedule because what I realize is that when you're talking to someone that doesn't have kids, as much as they want to try to understand, they don't really understand until they have their own kids. So in my head, if I were to start dating, it probably would make sense if it was another parent, right, that had the same experience as I do. So Sir is an app designed for parents who just happen to be single, like myself. Download Sir or tell your single friends to try it out. Welcome to Parenthood. Your life does not end here. Hi, I'm Christelle Lim, mother of two. And I'm Sarah Son, also a mother of two. We are longtime friends and now mothers. This is Being Bumo, a podcast about all things parenting.
1: We want to have honest conversations about motherhood so we can each define it for
2: ourselves. We're here to build our village and we hope that you join us.
1: many questions around the newborn phase and both of us are out of it. So sometimes I'm not really even thinking about the newborn mm-hmm. space or time. So we thought we'd do a newborn series. So for the next four or five episodes, we are going to be talking about everything newborn for that first time mama.
2: I love that because I just feel like one, we have a lot of new mamas that are listening, but right. also to where do you go to find not just tips, because I think there's a lot of places and website you could get tips but actual real stories during that time you just want to be seen like you want to know that you're not alone right so just sharing our own stories yeah. and also talking about very specific topics that you don't even think about until you're actually in it and you're like <laughs> what the heck is this right yep. you know we're gonna go deep into each one of these topics specifically for the new mom for the next few weeks. And Mm -hmm. we hope that it is not only helpful, but you will see the light at the end of the tunnel. Well, that's what I was going to (laughs) say.
1: The point of this series is to show you that you will get through it. You are in the trenches and we've been there and we salute you and we know how hard it is. But the phases do end. The teething does end. You know, the sleep cycle does regulate, but we do want to share in more depth some of the things that we went through and some of the lessons we learned. So here are some of the topics we might be covering.
2: So one of the topics that I think is really important is our own personal labor stories because there are so many ways that you could give birth. That are not often talked about and you don't even realize it until after you've given birth. And you're like, wait, why Why did I do it like that? Why did I have too much epidural? Or why no. did I, y- you know, there's just so many factors mm-hmm. and unknown. So we're going to talk about our own labor stories.
1: I love that you said there's so many ways to give birth because that is so true. Postpartum experience. Some moms, I mean, even just for me, my my, the, my postpartum experience with my second child was honestly glorious Mm. like what I think most moms might imagine postpartum to be like but with my firstborn it wasn't it was very frustrating and Mm -hmm. painful and a very difficult
2: isolating experience so we'll talk about that and then also a hot topic which is breastfeeding right do is breast the best what is formula like is my child gonna be okay drinking formula there's a lot of questions there that I've had when I was especially when I had my first that I was so unsure of so we're going to talk about the different options and kind of our own breastfeeding journey as well
1: yeah and hopefully provide some resources and product reviews that were incredibly helpful during this first year and we will talk about the identity shift that we experienced once we became mothers Mm -hmm. because I think it smacked me in the face yeah right to be like oh I'm supposed to take care of the baby. Like it's oh I didn't
2: sign up for this.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs>
2: so, for the rest of my life? Forever? Every for the day? Next 18 years? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we wanted to really dive in deep into these topics and hopefully provide resources for our new mothers.
2: Yeah, and also products too, because I know that once you're a new mom, you are overwhelmed, then those ads are probably being served to you mm. to buy this and that and honestly, you probably don't need 90% of the things that you think you need to have. So we're going to actually talk about the things that you need to have and the things that you probably don't need to have. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think so, too. And the clutter. Yeah. Because there's a lot of stuff out there.
2: I mean, the thing is that the baby market is such a big dollar sign market for people. So people are just throwing ad dollars behind it. And you know, they're marketing towards these vulnerable yeah. new moms, yeah. right? I mean some things you do need. Some things you do need, yeah. but then also at the same time, like new moms, they don't know the difference. And they're like, wait, that looks great. Maybe I do need that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. and like,
1: do you need all the fancier things? I think I was a little bit caught up in getting like the highest end stroller and things like that. You don't need any of that. Yeah. No. I know. Get the cheapest stroller.
2: I know. Yeah. I, I I fell into that too. Yeah, because yeah.
1: It's tight. It's so emotionally charged with, like, what's best for your child. Yeah. And if yeah. it's
2: more expensive, then it must be better. No, yeah. it does mm. not mean that. Yeah, we hope that it's helpful. If there's any, because we are still recording some of these episodes, so if there's any specific new mom questions you guys want us to cover, make sure to DM us and let us know so we can make sure to to address those topics as well. Something a little different that we're doing for this episode is we're bringing on a guest for the second half, which is dear doula. Her name is Brandy. She is a doula, and we wanted to kind of kick off this new mom series with specifically a doula because it's something a resource that I didn't know that existed. We didn't know about. We doulas. didn't know about it. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's the cult. It's a cultural thing. Like some of my non-Asian friends talk about doulas. I'm like, what is that?
1: So the lovely Brandy is here today and she's going to give us like a better understanding of what a doula does, their role with the new mom and the family. What are the things that they do to to care for the new mom? I think everybody should look into this if you're going to be a new mom to have that support. Yeah,
2: let's welcome Brandy. I don't think it's quite common in our culture, in the Asian culture. They don't talk about doulas and there's no information around that. It's either like you go to the doctor and that's it.
1: <laughs> you go to the doctor, you listen yeah. to the doctor and it's over. Yeah. Right.
0: But I think also maybe not so much for people who are living stateside, but I feel like just most Asian cultures I know have the village. Like you have the auntie that's going to help you. There is, you know, grandma possibly coming into the home Mm -hmm. to do like a 40 day. And I feel like the cultures that have that tend to have that in place and probably aren't as aware of doulas because yeah. they have family mm. members who can fill that role. There are different types of doulas, I'll start with that. So a birth doula is someone who's gonna support a family during pregnancy, and then eventually they're gonna basically assist them during the birth of their child. So during the pregnancy, they might be teaching them childbirth education. They might be talking about ways they can manage pain during labor. Mm. They might be educating them about the place they're birthing at, like who's a good doctor, who's not a good doctor, kind of just being their conduit into like an area that most people don't know anything about. About until they're in it. And so they kind of work as like the person who's going to be like the go to resource and then obviously supporting you during labor. For many people who are choosing a birth doula, they're trying to have a low intervention birth. And I say that because people think that doulas are particularly for people who want to have a natural birth. And I can just say, as a doula, I don't care how people want to have their baby. And I think there's that misconception. But definitely we know that doulas can help, just there's actual research can help to reduce interventions, meaning there's less incidence of induction, less incidence of cesarean. And those things we know that can help be safer sometimes for the person that's birthing.
2: That's so interesting that you said that a lot of people associate doulas with natural birth because right. I did too. Yeah, Me too. Yeah, and the no does.
1: midwife and doulas versus the OB
0: in right. hospital. Right?
2: Yeah, why is that?
0: Because there are a lot of people who are very like crazy and fanatical about their ideas, to uh-huh. be honest. <laughs> so I'm not saying it's saying. unfair <laughs> to say that. And so I think often when people like, I feel like I get to be this person of like, we're not all that way. yeah. Um, but I think that a lot of people get into this work. And this is not my way into it because they've had either some mishaps during they had like a traumatic birth story. Mm-hmm. And so I think people can be very like, you know, get into this like social justice. Like I'm going to be saving every woman from interventions. So I think it can kind of breed that. And definitely a lot of people who are using doulas are looking to use less intervention. They're looking to like less you know, prodding and poking and are hoping to kind of experience this. So I think there is some truth to that. But I always like to point out that like for me, the best place for people to birth is where they're going to be the most comfortable. Sometimes being more comfortable means getting an epidural. So there's also postpartum doulas and postpartum doulas are doulas that are going to support you after you come home with the baby. And generally, again, this could be a family member that's helping you. But the goal is that you're supporting the whole family. So you're making sure that The birthing person has like had enough to eat. That mom is, you know, taking a nap when the baby naps, making sure that they're possibly getting food if they don't have someone else to do that for them, but also educating on how to care for this new person that's in your home. But I think for a lot of people, I think previously there were family members that can do that. But I mean, in the States, a lot of grandparents are still working. They're not Mm. able to retire. Maybe the... The Korean version of the doula is Ajuma.
1: Yeah, it is. The postpartum ajuma. It's just
2: not labeled yeah. as doula. Yeah, so basically what a lot of the Koreans that we know, mm-hmm. that, I mean, we all kind of, did I don't think you did it did you
1: I did a version of it but I was also going to ask you the difference between the, the a role of a doula postpartum compared to a night nurse because that's what they that's uh, what it was called it when I was interchangeable okay. so
0: back in the day when I started I was a baby nurse in quotations like okay. that's what people call you're you a baby nurse because um, mm-hmm. there wasn't really like a formal training it was kind of just like you knew someone and you came to work with her and then yeah. I was like whatever I'm in business like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was kind of yeah. like it's like sketchy. here's my title yeah. <laughs> but you know as things developed you know you start to have more of like doula trainings and newborn care specialists. And you know, and obviously you shouldn't be calling yourself a nurse unless you have actually gone to nursing school. And so those terms have changed, but I still have clients that will call and say, I'm looking for a baby nurse or a night nurse. Some doulas work during the day and do that traditional doula role of like, Helping, you know, you know clean bottles mm-hmm. and help with meals. And then you have people who work at night and are more focused on getting the parents rest, possibly even getting baby on a good routine. Yeah. It just depends on the type of person that you have.
1: Yeah, I had a night nurse for my firstborn. I remember And that. she did help me put him on some sort of like sleeping
0: schedule mm-hmm. and I thought
2: it was so helpful. Doulas also kind of do all of that if you want everything, like from the whole package. <laughs> Can yeah, you just raise depends. my child? <laughs> it depends.
0: And so for like back in the day before I h- had my own kids, I used to do like this 40-day package? Mm. Because I mean, most cultures have a 40 day ritual that you do in postpartum. And, you know, in most places in the West, they don't do that because, I mean, people back to work in two weeks. But generally speaking, there's a six weeks kind of thing that you should be doing to kind of like get yourself back into yourself. And so basically, I'd be there around the clock for six weeks doing the routine, mm-hmm. making sure that mom is being taken care of. I will not say that I was cooking, but I was like helping them to ensure that their people were yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, yes, cooking. But right yes, yeah. And cooking the right stuff. Yes. And making yeah. sure they're having postpartum healthy food, mm-hmm. things that helped for the ones that were nursing, making sure there were foods that were going to actually help to increase supply. And then I have lots of clients who do have someone that's coming in who can do the cultural foods for their culture Mm -hmm. for that 40 day, because there's usually (laughs) different types of soups, different types of herbs, depending on where you come from in the world. I just had an epiphany. I had a doula then.
2: Who was your doula? I mean, the achuma. That's exactly what I think now that I have a better understanding of what a doula does, because in my head and This is great that we're having this conversation. I think a lot of people associate doulas with natural Mm births, just giving birth. Mm -hmm. But now that you're explaining it, I'm like, I had a doula then because I had this ajumma, which also translates in Korean, an older Korean lady Mm -hmm. who comes and lives with you. And she pretty much takes care of you Mm -hmm. as postpartum, helps you heal. She massages your breasts so you Mm -hmm. can produce more. She cooks for you. She also helps with the baby, sleep training, all of not sleep training because the was too young at that point, but you know, helping them get into like a normal, a better, healthy, I guess, sleep cycle. And that's yeah. exactly what I had for yeah. about Did the Korean days. lady help you with the sleeping too? Everything. Oh, everything. She had that. like the full
0: on. Yeah. That's yeah. why I asked <laughs> you. I was yeah. like, Dude. yes. But you, I mean, I've, I've been able to be there when a lot of, you know, usually be like, I'm getting the Korean nurse or I'm getting the Chinese nurse or my yeah. Indian nurse is coming over. And so just being able to watch what I've learned is that so much of what we all do is the same.
1: Yeah, mm. I see. You know,
0: there's some core things that are the same, like keeping mom warm. Like yeah. in some cultures, we call that mother warming or mother mm. roasting. And so I remember for my client who had ajima that she was steaming afterwards. Like she had this like cape over the toilet. They put the herbs. And yeah, the sit Yeah. The yeah. Yes. And so, you know, but the same thing, like my clients who are from Mexico City have some like grandmas coming and doing the same thing. Mm. And so a lot of these things are the same. And I feel like if people all over the world are doing these things, we know they were important to us to do. But in the Western world, we kind of have like taken away that reverence for like what you should be doing, the slowing Mm -hmm. down the making sure that you actually do that healing to your body to make it safer to do it again if you want to do it again or for long-term just maternal health. I think we look at women who end up getting, you know, incontinent and having lots of other issues and they can relate it back to not being cared for after childbirth.
1: I was going to ask you, what are some of the things that you've noticed when the moms don't go through this 30, 40 day recovery process? What are some of the dangers that you've seen?
0: In the worst case scenario, a lot of them end up being readmitted because they're bleeding too much or Mm. they end up getting infections because they're out. Maybe they had an incision that didn't get to heal. Mm. We're doing too much, not laying down. I'm looking at you because you probably were doing that. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I wish I had you.
2: I know. I just (laughs) wish we had this
1: information. Yes. Yeah.
0: So that's what you normally see. We will often see like, you know, issues with milk supply. And that isn't always necessarily obviously to do with not, you know, resting or doing too much. It could be other underlying issues. But if you're stressed, if you have to be back to work in two weeks, like all those things, it's going to affect your ability to kind of heal yourself. Mm -hmm.
1: So I've been looking at summer camps for the kids. Mm -hmm. They're all amazing, but also they're pretty pricey this year, to be honest. So thank God for KiwiCo because it has helped me just fill some of their schedule. KiwiCo is definitely the future of play by making it engaging, enriching, and seriously fun. They have super cool hands-on projects designed to create a lifelong love for learning. Especially my kids love the boxes that they get every month from them.
2: It's pretty incredible. I love KiwiCo as well. And it's It's like taking over camp. I mean, it is basically camp in your own home. Seriously.
1: (laughs) They have all of the materials are very high quality. It all comes packaged so nicely with that booklet Mm. that has all of the instructions step-by-step so the kids can do most of it on their own. It's so incredible. What was the last project that you worked on? Let me see. The last one we did, oh, we did this kaleidoscope project that Sophia loved. You put the entire thing together from scratch and then you know how the kaleidoscope has mirrors inside? Uh Uh-huh. Um, you put the whole thing together and then you can y- then you have a toy after you make it and she played with the kaleidoscope for 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 days that's
2: incredible and she's so proud that she made it herself so right proud. i love that versus I love that. buying her a kaleidoscope exactly
1: i mean i do yep i love that about kiwi
2: and i think that's the beauty of kiwi is giving your child the ability to create something that they did themselves and they just seeing them light up and it gives them the sense of confidence and ownership. It's much more about, uh, more. It's much more than just play. It's also just learning and building up their confidence and their skills in that. And your child can get really super cool hands-on science, art, and, ge- and your child can get super cool hands-on science, art, and geography projects delivered. To their door every month, they'll be so excited to see these arrive in the mail. I don't know about you, but my kids, when they see the KiwiCo boxes arrive, they just freak out. It's like their favorite day of the month. (laughs) And I was actually really surprised at how high quality the materials are. Um, These are real engineering, science, and art projects for children. Sometimes when I'm working on these projects with my daughters, I'm just like, how do they come up (laughs) with this? Yeah, they're They're really good they're so creative and they're so effective and they just naturally cultivate and they just cultivate your child's natural creativity and curiosity with new hands-on projects every month, which is great for us as parents because it's one less thing that we have to worry about. And honestly, for me personally, just to be really honest, it's a great way to get them not on just like tv or ipad because they're actually learning and doing something right i agree
1: and then something that i thought was so cool about KiwiCo is that whoever is creating these projects is so smart because they have boxes for different age groups Mm. so my nine-year-old can make a box but then my 11 year old can make a
2: completely different box and so they have different tracks based on their ages i'm obsessed with their tracks because i yeah you're right like there are different projects so Colette, who's three years old, will have a completely different project than Chloe. It's just so smart how they were able to build it out. Anyways, guys, you guys should all try KiwiCo if you haven't. It is pretty game-changing, and you can redefine learning with play. Have your kids fall in love with learning. Explore hands-on projects that build creative confidence and problem-solving skills with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month, plus free shipping on any crate line with code BUMO at KiwiCo.com. That's 50% off your first month at KIWICO.com. Promo code Boomo.
1: Hi guys, I'm Haley Hubbard, mom and wife to a country music star. And I'm Jess Diamond, registered dietitian, parent educator, and mom. And this is the Meaningful Living Podcast. Here to make parenthood and life a little easier and a lot less lonely. We bring on all our favorite experts and friends and answer all your questions. And ours. To break it all down into the simple and reliable tools, tricks, and answers. We get into the real side of it, parenthood, relationships, you name it. So join us every Monday at Meaningful Living, that's
2: meaningful with two L's, for conversations that will leave you feeling way more confident.
1: It takes a village and we can't wait for you to join ours. I was actually in Chris's first birth, actually, Mm -hmm. in like a quote unquote doula role. Mm -hmm. Because after I had my firstborn... And in my view, it was a pretty traumatic experience. I then started to do all my research Mm -hmm. because I think with my firstborn, I was like, okay, the doctor knows what they're doing. I just follow that and it should be fine. And I'm sure my doctor did his best, but there were so many things that I did not felt that I was cared for during my postpartum that I started to do a lot of research. I even took a six month course (laughs) with a doula program because I was like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to- share this information and this wealth of knowledge that most moms, especially young moms, Mm -hmm. don't have. And 10 years ago when I had my kid, we didn't have all of these conversations. We didn't have Mm -hmm. doulas with a podcast like you do, Brandy, sharing this information. And for some of us who are away from our main family, we didn't Mm -hmm. know how to take care of ourselves.
2: Can you share about your... Because I I want the listeners that are listening in to hear about different kind of birth styles and stories so they can learn from it. They... And they know what to ask for, what not to ask for when oh, wow. they go into hospital. So can you tell a little bit about your your story?
1: So again, I was 25 when I was first had my, when I was pregnant with my firstborn. So, and again, there wasn't a lot of information online about babies and birth and things like that. So I just literally thought whatever the doctor tells me, I'm just going to do it. And that's the safest option. And so I went into, I was admitted for labor and, you know, they hooked me up for the epidural. And for whatever reason, they told me that if I felt like I wanted more epidural based on my pain tolerance, here's a little clicker and go
0: ahead and click away.
2: (laughs)
1: Just you me and yeah, <laughs> it's
0: probably not really good advice yeah. i remember my sister having that clicker it was actually demerol what she had it like yes narcotics. it is Demerol. Yeah. brandy <laughs> like she had the click 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 click
1: i was clicking away and i am 25 i'm young my mom's not around i'm super oh scared gosh. i have no idea what's going on the contractions are coming in so i'm like click click Another contraction, (laughs) but it was mostly fear. It wasn't Mm -hmm. even necessarily that I couldn't tolerate the contraction. I was just scared as I felt some of that pressure come in, and by the time I had to push, I was numb from head to toe, pretty much. Yes, and so I couldn't really push properly. I couldn't access my my body, my muscles, my thighs, my glutes, and I had a hard delivery. They vacuumed my son out. Mm -hmm. It created a like a very deep tear, and it was like a pretty difficult healing process. Mm After that, I was like, that can't be good. That cannot be the way we're doing yeah. this. Like, I don't want that for my sister. I don't want that for you when you were mm-hmm. starting to think about babies. Yeah, And that's kind of what started my my, my, but see, my research.
0: This is why we need the whole story. And this idea of like that it should just be natural. It shouldn't be that either. But it also shouldn't be, you know what? When you get there, the first two minutes, get your epidural without getting the whole story. Yeah. And so what people don't know is that the timing of when you do the epidural, the timing can affect you having a cesarean or not having a cesarean, exactly. and so like you know, that it's too. that education for clients to know that the longer you go without the epidural, so like don't do it the moment you get to the hospital. Exactly. Do it when it like actually is but like, but like I can't take this anymore. It's like yeah. mind-blowing to me that
2: the doctors just assume that you know this stuff, yes. <laughs> and you're like, here you Here's go. Here are
0: the drugs. Quick, quick. Use it whenever you want. It's
1: horrible. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. not. It that's that there has to be a better way. Yeah, because
0: having that, like, had you had that ability to feel and to be able to work with your body and push, you probably would not have had tearing. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have had to deal with that in postpartum, which yep. does not feel good. Nope. But these kinds of things that we're actually talking about, not just the baby, but your body long term. Brandy, mm-hmm. when I had my on.
1: second baby. I barely had the epidural. Well, now I had done like the six month training Mm -hmm. and I was like, I'm technically a doula.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You are. I am, hello.
1: And then with my baby, with my second baby, of course you also have experience with your first, you know, with the first baby. So you just feel more confident going into it. But I felt so good about having this knowledge. Exactly what you said. I was like, I don't want the epidural until I get to a point where I can't really, I'm too tired or too exhausted. I just don't feel like I, I can do it instead of getting it immediately, like you said. And then what I learned was that your body does most of it in so many ways. Your body kind of pushes, your body will curl, your body will squat, your body will kind of do so Mm -hmm. much of the work for you. If you can work with it. If you can work with it, if you understand that it's part of the process. Yes. Yes. We don't have
0: to force things. We don't have to force it. It's like your body takes over. It's like you're not actually really pushing. Like your body will not allow you not to push. I tell that to
1: my (laughs) friends and they look at me like I'm crazy. I was like, actually, you don't have to push, push. You have to be kind of, and then you tell me Brandy what you think, but how I've been saying is you don't really have to push so much. just like let your body kind of do what it needs to do and you stay kind of calm. And that's kind of what I've been telling my
0: friends. These yeah, you days. have to be able to let go. But yeah. I think that there's so many obstacles to women being able to do that. Mm. So if you're in a space where people aren't listening to you, yeah. if you're in a space where people are demeaning, or you know, the doctor's looking at his watch, like I thought I was going to be able to go to lunch by now. Oh my god, this, That <laughs> was, was your experience. To my story this, now. This yes. is this
1: was her experience. The
0: exact opposite
2: experience of her because. I did not have the education of you because I knew that I wanted epidural, but Mm -hmm. I thought that they would give it to me when I needed it. So I was like in so much pain because I thought at some point they're going to come give it to me. I didn't realize I had to ask for it. Mm -hmm. They didn't give me the clicker. So I waited until the very end where I was like unbearable. I was like, when when, when am I going to get the (laughs) epidural? They're like, oh, do you want some? Because I think it's too late now. And so they gave me like the tiniest, tiniest bit because it was at the end of it. At the end of it. So it didn't even really activate at that point because I was already pushing. Mm -hmm. So the great thing was I was able to activate everything. And I was able to push really fast. But then something weird happened where my doctor, Mm -hmm. I think she was late for her dinner or something. Oh my god. I was there. And she she, the body was, I mean, the head was already out. Like oh, I just yeah. needed maybe five, 10 more minutes. She had been pushing for about 20 minutes. The baby was crowning. Which is short, by the way. It is yes. so short. Yes. But again, she had been in
1: active label already for like a good six hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the baby starts to crown. Again, you're right. It that's very quick. And this lovely doctor decides to give her a PCotomy. No, Brandy, I was I gonna
0: shiver up my spine. I
1: I was so confused as to what was happening. And then, and then I realized later that you didn't need the episiotomy. I thought maybe there was an emergency and maybe that's why you give a episiotomy at that moment. And then the baby came out in 30 seconds, obviously, after that. And then the doctor was, you know, ready to go to our next appointment.
2: I had stitches yeah. up my butt. Like, yeah. it yeah. was so big. And I painful. was out of commission
0: for months because of that. Yeah. And, and you got the infection. And I got an infection from yeah. it, too. But you see, like, this domino effect when yes. we're not, like where where you should be more concerned about women's bodies yeah. than like i have to go to this dinner or this yeah. gala or whatever's happening but that happens so often i think we also like we have to be very mindful and honest about saying that also people have misconceptions about how people can birth based on their race okay. and so there's an idea by many doctors yeah. that asian women are so tiny oh, the baby's God. too big for you so i are going to a really i've never heard yes. That. yes yes they're probably not going to really? say it out loud <laughs> but that is it that is a misconception that, that you're very is... tiny So it's not possible for you to get this baby out. Shut up. Yes. That is the first time I've ever heard. I've never heard that. don't feel pain, we're strong. You know, so you have these things when you don't have people who actually, you know, even in medical school, they talked to, this is like probably, I think 2019, they did this research talking to people in medical schools and they felt that people of color, BIPOC in general, Mm -hmm. felt less pain than other Mm -hmm. people who were stronger all of us Uh, (laughs) in one big group. Yeah, one big, yeah, okay. Um, And this is like medical students in 2019. Okay. And so this is like, think about, and even some of the medical books that they're learning from, the books that nurses are looking at do divide things by, you know, like such and such type of person doesn't breastfeed or they're only going to use formula. And so we also have people, like doctors are people, nurses are people. And so they're coming in with their biases. Uh, And so by having a doula who understands some of that, like behind the things that aren't being said, mm -hmm. you can kind of have those conversations of like, I see that you're pulling out scissors right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's only been 20 minutes.
0: Could we give her, you know, is there an emergency happening in which she needs this? Because episiotomy should be for emergency purposes, not because this is going to happen faster for you. And also, Mm. was there consent given by you to do this? See, I don't, I don't even know. do i think it was ever even discussed exactly it. Yeah. yeah, And usually the, the answer is no. They're just right. doing it. Right. And something like that, that has such long-term effects, there should be someone asking you, hey, I'm going to do this and your butt's going to be a mess for the next <laughs> six weeks. Are you cool with that? <laughs> do no you know? one told me that. Nope. No nope. one told you that. They just no, did it. No and one. it should be that they're, you can send into something like that, particularly when it's on an emergency. Um, but I'm you really don't know what you
1: don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really happy to report that that office is
2: closed. Oh, so, it is? Yeah. So I I stopped so, going there, so.
1: Yeah, well, no one's going there. And I mean, Good. people talk. I mean, all the moms are connected in the community. There was no way that the office is closed.
0: Good. Yeah. Good. Oh, my gosh. But it happens so often across the country.
1: Because you think that the doctors know best. Yeah. And like, oh, it's like that's what's supposed to happen. Yeah. yeah.
2: And that is why having a doula now makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Now I understand and get that. Especially new moms that are... I have no idea what they're going into.
1: Brandy, if there's a new mom listening and she's like, okay, it makes sense to get a doula. What are some of the things that she should be looking? Like when you, I I remember some of the moms around me were doing like interviewing some doulas Mm -hmm. to see who was a good fit. What are are some of the things that they should be looking for to make sure that they they have a good experience? Yeah, she
0: want a good philosophical fit. Because again, like we talk about, there are people who are very much, you know, you should be having a birth natural. Anything else is less than. And if that's not what you believe, you don't want that person. I would even say if you want a natural birth, you still don't want that person who's so stuck in that way because Mm. things happen. And so you want to look for someone who's even of like... You know, what are your goals? Not coming Mm -hmm. in talking about how they think birth should be, but like what do you see as being a birth that makes you feel happy and fulfilled and like sane? What does that look like? And they should be talking about how they're going to help you get there, or at least to educate you so you're making decisions to help you get there. Mm -hmm. You also want to be looking for someone who has experienced birthing, working with someone birthing where you're going to birth. So if you're having a home birth, it'd be great to have someone who's experienced that. If you're birthing in a hospital, you want to make sure you have someone who's experienced supporting people in a hospital, particularly if you're in a hospital, be looking for someone who doesn't have an adversarial viewpoint of doctors.
2: I was gonna ask you because <laughs> I feel like
0: some doctors might have a bit of a problem if like
2: someone is gonna stop them doing something that uh-huh. they wanna do, right? right? For <laughs> instance, giving me, you know, what yeah. they gave me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so technically through scope, doulas are not supposed to be telling you or interve- like directly intervening with a doctor. Right. Uh-huh. They might be saying, Oh, by the way, I didn't you mention that you did not want to have an emphasiotomy. <laughs> uh, like giving you that transport. Yeah. <laughs> or did you want to ask the doctors any questions about this? Uh-huh. You know, technically we're not supposed to. And there are some people who are a bit more, you know, front and center with the doctors. But I feel like, you know, if it comes down to advocating for my client, I might do that there's a situation where I know that something's about to happen. It's gonna have grave. that I'm going to say something or at least alert them to say something. Yeah. But I also believe that doctors are very important. There are amazing doctors out there. And I see them, I see us working together as a team. Mm. And so you want to have someone who kind of has that approach because if you're going to be in that space, you want someone who's going to like gel with them. Like you attract more bees with honey than vinegar. And so I feel like if you have someone who has this idea that like all doctors are terrible and like everything they do is suspect, that doesn't feel good. And so I'd probably run from that.
2: Yeah. Mm. Okay. So right. if people want more information about all of this and your services, like where can they find you? Can you tell, tell us a little bit about your online services as well? Just because I know that you have a pretty big audience there.
0: Yeah. So we have the Cradle Company. And and it is a company that I started in 2008 to support people through this stuff. So Mm -hmm. helping you find a doula, helping you get postpartum care. We often even kind of act like as a concierge to our clients. Like who is the best person to get your postpartum meals? Or what doctor is not crazy? And what Mm -hmm. doula isn't crazy? (laughs) Like all those things. Um, And kind of just being that kind of like honest voice of like, based on what you're telling me, this is kind of what I think would be a good idea for you as kind of the kind of support that you're looking for. So we help Mm -hmm. clients do that from pregnancy until about age two, because we do a lot of postpartum services as well. Um, Mm -hmm. And they can find us at thecradlecompany.com.
2: Amazing. Um, And you
0: also have a podcast. I do. So I have a podcast (laughs) called Dear So That should be easy to remember. And so a lot of these conversations that you don't get to be privy to if you're not in the birthing world Mm -hmm. as a parent, you get to hear me talk about that. So the things that you can do to make postpartum more enjoyable the thing that you can do to make your birth safer, happier. I talk about all that kind of stuff on Dear Dua and you can find that anywhere you listen to your podcast. I, l- I love the
1: um, Calm is Contagious episode yes. on your podcast.
2: It was wonderful.
0: Yeah, Calm so- is Contagious. Okay. Calm is Contagious. I'm going to have to really go to that.
1: Well, thank you for being on, Brandy. You are kind of helping us launch our um, newborn series that we are going to it. be working on, in this, on this month. So thank you for being here. I learned so much from you.
0: Thank you for having me.
2: Thank you so much for listening. We want to keep this conversation going with you. So please leave us a DM on Instagram and make sure to follow us and subscribe to our podcast. And we would love it if you left us a review. Also, if you're in the Los Angeles area, make sure to visit us at Bumo Work at Westfield Century City Shopping Center. And if you're looking for educational-based content entertainment for your little ones, visit us at www.bumobrain.com or at Brain on Instagram.